first Bible reading comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 18. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what, the prophet, what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. And the second reading comes from Acts chapter 2, 22 to 41. Acts 2, 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, but he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades 
or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life and you make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would, that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. <coughs> now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witnesses and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptised and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Happy Christmas, everyone. Special Merry Christmas to those who are online. So special Christmas to those who have travelled a long way. Some people have even been out across the borders and hopefully, as was mentioned before, you can get home. <laughs> so, Christmas, that's what we want to think about today. Christmas is made up of two parts, Christ Mass. So it's all about Christ. And so today, as we've been singing, as we've been praying, as we've been reading, we want to think about who Christ truly is. If you think about Christmas today, it's all very glitzy. It's all very tizzy. It's all very fake, in a sense. But if we think back to the first Christmas and we read what the Bible actually records about Christmas, it was actually quite messy. It was quite tense. It's actually a lot of death. Quite scary. Actually quite an intrusion. People didn't want Christmas, that first Christmas. And we're going to see that today. So we're going to look at the account that Matthew records for us. We hear about the shepherds in the Gospel of Luke, but in the Gospel of Matthew we hear about the coming of the, the wise men. And so Matthew chapter 2, if you do have your Bible, you can keep it open there. We're going to work through the passage that Bryony read to us. And I thought to start off with who were these wise men? We often just read about wise men coming from the east, sort of a bit strange, a bit odd. These randoms just suddenly appear in Jerusalem and we move on. So why don't we just pause for a minute rather than just skip over that. You might have heard the word magi, because that's literally what the word is. And it's a word that comes from Babylon. 
but it was used, if you know your history, of the Babylonians, the Medes and the Persians, they referred to some men brought into their office as Magi. And those countries, those places are to the east of Israel. And the Old Testament book, if you can think of a book of the Bible that's going to take us to those lands, there's one book of the Bible, Daniel. You know, Daniel and the lion's den, it's that book of Daniel. And in chapter 2 of Daniel, we see that the king of Babylon had a dream and he wanted someone to interpret it, but no one could interpret it. He got all the wise men of the Babylonian Empire. He gathered them. He was the most powerful man in the world. He got all the wisest men together and none of them could interpret the dream. But there was one man who could, not by himself, but with God's help. One of the Jews who had been sent in exile out of Jerusalem to Babylon. And God enabled Daniel to interpret the king's dream. And as a result, Daniel was recognized as a man who had the most amazing insight. He had an excellent spirit within him. It actually says he had the spirit of the holy God. And it was through the spirit of the holy God that he had this knowledge, this understanding, this wisdom. The ability to interpret dreams and as you read on in his life, explain riddles and solve problems. And on account of that, Daniel rose to heights. Daniel was the wisest of the wise men in the East. He was the greatest of the Magi. He was made chief of the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans and the astrologers we read. I nearly said it at the beginning that the kings, but the Bible actually doesn't use that word kings. It says wise men, magi from the east. That idea of the kings coming from the east doesn't develop until several hundred years later in tradition. Some people want to make a lot about the magi being pagan astrologers. Yes, astrologers can come under that word magi, but it wasn't restricted to them. Wise men, teachers, priests, physicians, astrologers, Prophets, interpreters of dreams, on you go. They all come under this heading. It was this office that was this blend of having great knowledge and insight, like being a scientist, but mixed in with spiritual understanding. The two worked together. And for example, Daniel, he was the greatest of the Magi. He was not a pagan. He was a prophet of God. But he is recognized with this great intellect and wisdom and a mix with insight into spiritual things. And so there's plenty of good reason to believe, and there's clues in the Bible, especially as you look through Daniel and another book of the Old Testament, Esther, that these men who came from the east, these magi, were God-fearing men. Daniel was around about 600 years before Jesus was born, at the great King Nebuchadnezzar. And as I said, Daniel came to power. He had great authority. People, the king himself, Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in the whole earth at the time, bowed down and paid homage to Daniel, saying, Daniel's God, the God of Israel, is the God of gods, the Lord of lords. Daniel was greatly rewarded and honoured. He was made ruler over the whole province of Babylon. But then it wasn't just under that empire, that king. Another king comes along, Darius of the Medes and the Persians take over, and Daniel again rises to prominence and power. And then after them comes another king, Cyrus, and Daniel rises to power. And all the way through, Daniel's never private in his faith, he's public. He's open about his love of God and fear of God. Whenever he has, does deeds of wonder and wisdom, he gives credit to God. So for this enduring time, 
Daniel, a powerful man, regarded by the wisest of the wise, had prominence in the East. And he had some amazing prophecies that were given to him in the East. In Daniel 7, we read of the Christ. So Daniel is in the place of the Medes and the Persians and the Babylonians, and he has a vision, and it says about the Christ to come. Behold, in chapter 7, verse 13 of Daniel, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days, God himself, and was presented before him, and to him the Christ was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting kingdom which shall not pass away and shall never be destroyed. That was a prophecy that Daniel was declaring in the East. There's an even more amazing one. We can't dig into it now, but if you read a lot of commentaries, it'll explain it. But in Daniel 9, it even says a prophecy through Daniel concerning the Christ, 483 years will pass between the decree that will be given to rebuild the temple, sorry, Jerusalem, which was given by the King Cyrus, and the arrival of the Christ. And so shortly after Daniel, a clock began ticking that those who were listening, the wise men of the East, if they were listening to this prophecy, would start counting down. The coming of the Christ who will deliver his people from tyranny. But Daniel was well known of the whole Bible. And back in Numbers chapter 24, 17, in the books of Moses, the book of the law, there's a prophecy that says a star shall come up out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And so the Christ, God's chosen king, is coming. He will come out of Israel. He'll arrive 483 years after the decree to rebuild the temple. At his coming, a star will come up out of Israel. He will hold a scepter and he shall reign forever over all the earth. He will destroy all those who oppose God and establish his kingdom. The wise men of the East had that information. Daniel proclaimed it. But if you just read a bit more of Israel's history, you get to the book of Esther. Mordecai became second in power. He was a God-fearing man. The Jews who had been sent into exile worshipped God in the East. And we see in Acts that when God's people are scattered, that his people grow because more people come to fear God. And so in that sense, it's not that surprising that wise men should come from the East to fear God. On the day of Pentecost, which is the passage that Bryony read to us, many God-fearers came from the lands of the Medes and the Persians and the Babylonians who were fearers of God. And so God in his grace was reaching out to Gentiles hundreds, centuries before Jesus even came, that they might know the King and worship Him. And this morning, this Christmas, God's doing the same thing as we read His Word. God is reaching out to you and to me that we might know the King, that we might worship Him. God is rich in grace and mercy. And so let's work through this passage. And we see that that first Christmas was tense. It was troubling. And there was death. When these wise men came to Jerusalem, you'd think there'd be great joy that the king of the Jews had been born, but there wasn't. Not only Herod himself, but all of Jerusalem were troubled. 
They didn't like this news. It was unsettling. In verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he? Who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. But interestingly, and all Jerusalem with him, Asking about Jesus didn't fill the people with joy. It's the same today. You try and get people to think about Jesus or where it's come from. There are many for whom it's just a troubling idea, concept. Inconvenient. Rather than seek after Jesus, Herod immediately, we see, goes to work to make sure Jesus stays out of his life. He doesn't want the king around. And so he assembles all the chief priests and scribes of the people, inquired of them where the Christ was to be born, they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for that is what was written by the prophet. And then we have the prophecy from Micah, 700 years before Jesus. And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Did you notice that Jesus didn't ask who was the king? Herod didn't ask who was the king of the Jews. He knew exactly who they were referring to. He doesn't have to ask about the Christ. He knows who the Christ is. He asks the religious leaders about the Christ. Where's the Christ to be born? History records that Herod himself was a practicing Jew. His father had converted to Judaism. This Herod had divorced his first wife and married a Jewish woman from a priestly and royal family. Herod was, knew all about Judaism. He was the one who rebuilt the temple. But underlying all his motives was to solidify his power, his autonomy, his rule. And in fact, a few years before this, he had to flee to Rome because there was this uprising. And the Roman Senate declared him king of Judea or king of the Jews. He loved that. He was a powerful, proud and ruthless man. And any whiff of a threat that would challenge the throne or him being number one, he was going to get rid of it. And so in Herod, we see what a sinful heart will do when it doesn't want Jesus. And we see what a man with a lot of power will do because people who have lots of power can express themselves more freely and more fully than you or I can who have less power. And he plots. He knew the Bible prophecies. He knew that Christ was God's chosen king. And yet he foolishly opposed God and plotted to eliminate the king. How blind he was. How sin blinds us to the truth. Our sin makes men foolish. The Jewish leaders had read for the prophet Micah. Though you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's incredible. That, that's impressive. 700 years even before we have been told exactly where the Christ was to be born. But straight after these words that we need to recall, 
more information is given. It says of this one, Jesus the Christ, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days or from eternity. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labour, that will be Mary, has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. So the one Herod sought to oppose was born of a woman, was born of Mary. He came into the world as a man, flesh and blood. But the prophecy that God gave reveals that he is far more than just a man. And this is why and shows why Herod's intrigue and scheming was so wrong and evil and foolish. Because Jesus who was born is from eternity. He already existed before he was born. Before the first Christmas 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus already was. The birth of Jesus Christ is the coming into the world of the Son of God. Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, who came into the world as a man. He's the God-man. So we need to realise... And once we realise this, it will help us live wisely. Christ is the King who will reign. Or simply, he will win. Herod wanted to make Jesus go away. But in opposing Jesus and seeking to get rid of Jesus, he was actually opposing God himself. But he's going to fail. Herod's known as Herod the Great. He's not that great today, is he? He's worm food, he's gone, he's just dirt. So too we have many leaders, in a sense, who if we could be like them, we would. Kim Jong-un of North Korea is known as the supreme leader. Vladimir Putin of Russia wants to be known as the eternal leader. Xi Jinping of China sees himself as the paramount leader. They all have great power which enables them to oppose God to great lengths. That they will fail. They will all die and be buried. And here we see in this passage, as we read on, we see that God sees all his scheme. Everyone who plots against God and schemes against God, God sees it. No one can do anything in private. God is watching all the time. But the wise men, we see, knew Jesus wasn't going to just stay as a baby. Many people today to celebrate Christmas, maybe you're 40 now, maybe you're 12 now, and it says Jesus never ages. It's Peter Pan. He's, he's just always in the manger every year. But Jesus grew up to be a man, and the wise men knew that. He was born as a man, as a man to become a king. And he has all power and authority. God proved, as we heard from Acts, Jesus is both Lord and Christ. He raised him from the dead. Herod hasn't done that. Kim Jong-un, Putin, Ping, none of them will do that. And you will never do that. Jesus is risen from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of God. His kingdom will never fail. It will endure forever. The king's forever. In his kingdom, there will be no sin. There will be no suffering. There will be no pain. There will be no dying. Only goodness and joy. So the thing we are asked, will we be like the wise men? That's the wonderful thing. Will we be wise? After listening, we see to the king, they went on their way, verse 9. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. 
When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and mirth. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So the Magi made that short journey, really, 10 kilometres south from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Notice the star was not left disconnected from the word. The star rose, they came, and as God constantly and always does, the miraculous is connected to the word. It's the word that verifies that this is an act of God. And as once that was confirmed, the star rose and led them to Bethlehem. And so what is the right response for us this morning? May it be that we come before Jesus with reverent joy. Reverend joy. The wisest of men responded with joy. There was nothing, nowhere else they wanted to be in the whole world. They travelled a long way. They went to a lot of effort to get to Jesus and it filled them with joy. Because belonging to his kingdom, we belong to a kingdom that will never end. To the greatest of kings. And they responded with reverence. They bowed down. There's no way Herod was going to bow down. They bowed down. It thrilled them to bow down. And I testify that there's nothing more satisfying and joyful than reverent joy of living at the feet of Jesus. Sadly, Herod knew nothing of that. For Herod, Jesus was inconvenient. It made him angry. He just wanted him to go away. He wanted to be in charge of his own life. He didn't want to yield to Jesus. Yet one day he will have to. The Bible says at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because he is. But the wisest of men willingly bowed before Jesus. Some say the gifts point to things such as the gold reminds us that Jesus is the king, the great king. That the frankincense reminds us that he is God. Because frankincense was burned in the temple and worshipped. And myrrh was used in burials, reminds us that the king came to die. Not because he would take his own life. Someone would take his life because he would lay it down. And this is another reason why Jesus fills us with joy and as we've sung, because he will take God's punishment for our sins upon himself. So that through trusting in Jesus, we would never be punished. We'll be seen as if we had never sinned. Herod didn't want that. In Herod, we see the hardness of the human heart. Had Herod bowed with the wise men, he would have had all his sins forgiven. He would have been given a new heart. He would have known the joy of God. God would have remembered his sins no more. But Herod chose a different path. And we see it. See verse 13. When they departed, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise. Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. And Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem. And in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. 
then was fulfilled. It was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lament. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they were no more. That's what Herod was like. Prior to this, he had murdered his Jewish wife. He had murdered their two sons. He had killed her brother. He had killed her grandfather. He had killed her mother. Later, he would kill his firstborn son, all to make sure he stayed in control. Any threat to his power, he rose up in defiance, even if that meant rising up against the Son of God. Thus we see the wickedness of the human heart. It's confronting, but it's something to think about. If a simple heart could, it would kill God. It wants to be free of God. But the joy of Christmas is Jesus reigns. No matter all the scheming and plotting, Jesus will reign forever. A hallelujah chorus, chorus, and he shall reign forever and ever. And he shall reign forever and ever. That is the joy of Christmas. Christ is coming either to judge or to save, and the joy is we can be saved. His name is to be Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. If you come to the king, you will be forgiven. Read from that Micah prophecy, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. For the forgiveness of our sins, we can be numbered with his brothers. We can be gathered. Jesus takes his people on the greatest of exoduses, the most joyful exodus. For King Jesus is leading his people out of the world of sin and death and conflict and suffering. He's leading us out of this world into the heavenly kingdom, our true home, the promised land where we shall have eternal rest and joy. This Christmas, I pray, and as we're remembering today, we know that Jesus Christ is the true King, is the merciful King, is the everlasting King. And if we come to Him, we will share in His kingdom. We'll be the children of God. And so to you, who is Jesus? Will we be wise like the wise men? Or will we be foolish like Herod? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you that you have not left us in the dark. Thank you that you have made known to us Jesus the King. Thank you that you have made known to us the way of salvation. Thank you for such a glorious King who would lay down his life for his people, that he would take the punishment for us that we might live with you. So, Lord Jesus, we want to give you all the praise and glory today. We want to fall down before you in reverent joy. And Jesus, we look forward to the day when we shall see you face to face.